Okay, if you've got um, your Bibles, you could turn to what, actually, what Tom just read to us um, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to ask if um, Kaf could come and read it to us. We're going to read it in a slightly different version, just to, it can be quite a familiar, ver- uh, familiar verses for people, so if you've, um, if you've heard this a lot, I thought it would be good to get it from a different source, so here we go. Oh, is that not is working? That yes. Okay, so Philippians 2 from the New Living Translation, starting at verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you very much. Well, that can go over there. Okay, right. So, my balloons. Thank you very much for sorting this out. I'm going to put this over here. Now, listen. Today, I'm talking about being humble and honouring. So, could you flick it on to the next one? My flicker's not working. There you go. Uh-oh. There you go. Humble and honouring in a um, culture of arrogance and pride. It's part of a series we've been doing, looking at how, as Christians, we're not just saved from some stuff, but actually Christ gave, uh, saved us so that we could have life in all its abundance. And he's freed us to be certain things. We, we, we've been free to be hospitable in, in a, a culture of isolation. We've been free to be happy and joyful and content in a culture of cynicism. We've been called to be hopeful in a world that is despairing. In so many ways, the world's despairing. And yet God says, we've got hope. There's a hope that lies beyond uh, the physical world that's going on. Jesus has saved us for something, and there's a future hope to look forward to. And we've um, we've been saved to be honest. We can be honest in a culture of appearances. So today we're looking at um, how to be humble and honoring in a culture of arrogance and pride. So I'm going to start this morning by talking about the most complicated part of my sermon. So your mind's all fresh and ready? You're good to go. And I've got some balloons to help me explain this. Um, Let me just do a little bit more moving around. Okay, so... There is, there is a good kind of humility, okay? 
You got that? There's a bad kind of humility or a false humility. Okay? You got that? There is a good kind. There's a good kind of uh, pride. Yeah? And there's a bad kind of pride or an ugly kind of pride. You got that? Okay. So here we go. The good kind of pride is actually a form of humility. So the good kind of pride is actually a kind of humility. Got that? Okay, this is the last bit. The bad form of humility or false humility is actually a form of pride. You got that? Okay, so you've got good humility, good pride, false humility, ugly pride. They're kind of similar things, okay? If you can hold that in your mind as I talk, then that will help you as we go through because I'm going to be talking about, um, I'm going to be talking about humility and a good kind of pride, and then I'm going to be talking about false humility, okay? So we're going to start by looking at good humility, then we're going to look at the ugly kind of pride, and then we're going to spend some time worshipping God because actually the, the most humble thing we can do is recognize who he is and bow the knee before him, as we heard read a few minutes ago. So, we're all ready to go. Let's start with humility. Humility, oh look, sorry, I, I made it more jazzy than I realized. Humility is a funny quality. It's a funny quality. I'll tell you why. Because it's not the kind of thing that you can claim for yourself. If you ever go to a job interview, for example, and the person says to you, uh, the person interviewing you says, what's one of your best qualities? If someone else was looking at you, what would they see in you? Okay, you can say a number of things at that point. You can say things like, um, no, go on, give me a couple of things you could say from over here. You're beautiful. There you go, my daughter's very humble. <laughs> there you go. You could say lots of different things. You could say, well, I'm pretty clever. I'm, I'm quite intelligent. You could say, I'm a team player. Uh, I play my part in the team. You could say, uh, maybe, I'm funny. I've got a, a decent sense of humor, and it, and it lightens the mood um, when I'm working. You could say, I'm kind and considerate. But I doubt many of us would say, if someone said, well, tell me what other people think of you, I doubt many of us would say, I'm a humble person. It just doesn't quite work, does it? And this, there's a good reason for this. Tim Keller says this, humility is so shy, if you begin to talk about it, it leaves. It's just like humility, it's, it's quite a cute little thought, isn't it? Humility is like a little mouse, and then if you, if you notice it, suddenly it, it scarpers and it goes. And there's a degree at which I think that's true. You can't claim to be humble because that automatically makes you a little bit arrogant or a bit proud, okay? But... Humility is one of the qualities that Christians should possess. Jesus and uh, God, God in, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus talks about humility. Paul and Peter are constantly talking about humility. Micah 6 verse 8. See if you can um, finish this. Okay, It says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk before your God, yes. 
1 Peter, two, uh, sorry, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6. Clothe yourself with humility, for God opposes the proud. That means he comes against the proud. He stands against the proud. But he gives grace to the, to the humble. So we're called to be humble. And God, isn't, um, God is constantly calling us to be humble, but this isn't just rules. It's not just God saying, make sure you're humble, else you're going to be in trouble. We've got good reason to be humble. We understand why, that, why we should be humble. For example, we know, if you're a Christian, you know that you were once dead in your trespasses and your sins. You were dead. And yet Jesus died to take the punishment for your sin. So all the guilt that was on you, all the shame that was on you, was dealt not by you, not by your good works, but by Jesus. We know that we were destined for for eternal separation from God. For eternity, we wouldn't know God. And yet Jesus rose again so that we could have eternal life. We know that we did nothing to earn the favor or the love of God. You didn't perform better. You didn't care more. You didn't... um, even do you didn't do anything that impressed God and make and made him think well I like you you're a good person the only reason you can say I'm a Christian is because Christ called you because because for some reason God said I love you and I want you to be in my family and he called you into his family so so more than anyone else as Christians we are called to be humble People, Because we know that everything good that we've got has not come from ourselves, but it's been given to us as a gift from God. So on one hand, and this is where I want want us to start, I want you to see, on one hand, it's awkward saying, I'm humble. And you can't really say, I'm humble. On the other hand, we we have to be humble. As Christians, we are called to be humble. And if we're not humble, there's something wrong. And I wonder how much do people look at the church today and think, you know what, the church is, is clearly belongs to God because it's so humble. I wonder, I wonder how many people look at the church and see humility. And I, I think it's really important that we think to ourselves, how do we be humble? Without becoming proud and arrogant, how do we become humble? And so that's what we're going to look at today. So the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to look at what a humble person looks like. It's no good me just saying, right, everyone, you've got to be humble. We've got to understand what humility looks like. So I've got seven characteristics. I can never say that word. Seven characteristics of a humble person. And if it, this is probably not an exhaustive list of things that make someone humble, but I bet we've all got somewhere in these that we could be growing in. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? Okay, quick fire. First of all, a humble person tends to have a good estimation of themselves. Okay? So that means they know their strengths, actually, and they know their weaknesses, and they know the areas in life that they're growing in. To be humble isn't just to say, oh, I'm rubbish at everything. To be humble is to know, actually, God's given me some gifts. He's given me some things that I can help people with, that, that, that I'm good at. And he's given, you know, there's some things that he hasn't really blessed me with very much. And there's some things that he's wanting me to grow in. So for me, I know I'm okay at preaching. I'm quite, I'm a decent preacher, okay? I know I'm not good at DIY. And I I, I don't, you know, I'm learning more and more. I need to outsource that bit, okay? (laughs) 
But there are other areas in my life which I know God's calling me to grow in. Now, Ali's not here, so I won't get a big laugh. But um, uh, organization, right? I am not the most organized person in the world, but actually I'm growing in organization. And I'm learning things, and people are teaching me things all the time. And I know that God's saying, Chris, I want you to grow in it. And so that, for me, the first thing to, to know, if you're, a, if you're looking to be humble, is to know what you, what you are good at, what your strengths are, and actually what maybe you're not and what you need to grow in. So the second one is, a humble person tends to be happy in their own skin. This refers back a little bit to what Dan was talking about and Sue was singing about, comparison. Okay? You're able, if you're humble, you're able to admire and be inspired by others without it falling into comparison all the time. You're able to see other people thrive and do well, maybe do better than you, and say, thank God for what you're doing in them. I read a, a, um, there's, a there's a book I read recently, and, and one of the guy, the guy that was writing it said he was a, a minister of a church, and um, the, the church was getting bigger, so they needed to get an exec, uh, like another minister to work alongside him, another pastor. And uh, so they, he chose this, this guy, and this guy was really good. And everyone started saying, oh, I love this new guy. This new guy is amazing. He, he loves people. He cares for people so well. He's a brilliant guy. And this guy who was writing the story said, I realized I wanted this person to be good, but I didn't want him to be better than me. Yeah? And actually, a humble person says, do you know what? Even if someone gets better at me than something, that's a good thing. Think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the, the new kid on the block. Everyone was excited. People were asking, is this the Messiah? They loved him. Everyone loved him. And uh, they, were, they would chase him out into the wilderness and listen to every, hang on every word that he's got to say. And then his, his little cousin, his annoying little cousin, started getting popular. And, uh, and people started going, John, your cousin, Jesus. People think that he is better than you. Do you know what John's reaction to that was? He didn't say, oh no, that, that boy, he's, he's younger than me, he's more annoying than me. Uh. What he said was, do you know what? I've got a decrease and he's got an increase. Because what he saw was, he was a humble man and he saw God was working something through Jesus and he needed to get out of the way. And so a humble person knows when to get out of the way and knows, uh, knows when God's doing something great in someone else. So, a humble, so that's number two. Humble, uh, number three, a humble person loves to use their power or their privilege or their resources, whatever that looks like, whether it's money or time or whatever, to benefit others. Listen to this verse. This is, this is, this is mind-blowing stuff right here, okay? Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God, something to cling on to, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position as a slave. Jesus gave up his divine privileges to come and serve you and to come and serve me. What an act of humility that is. I wonder what, what power or privileges or resources has, has God given you? And how are you using them to serve other people? 
There are so many examples of humble people, people that are humble like that in our church. I want to tell you um, one example, and I've not asked permission, so I hope I don't get in trouble. But Jean Brims, she is, she's, a, she's been a teacher her whole life, um, and she taught me when I was growing up. Um, she knows the education system. And, and, and she's retired now, but she's filled with compassion. And she uses a lot of time to get alongside a boy that's struggling in school, to be an advocate for him. She goes into school with him. He's not always that good. He gets himself in a lot of trouble. But she stands and, and, and kind of talks to the teachers and keeps him in that school. And that's a, an amazing example of humility, where it's like, I've got some gifts, I've got some skills, and I'm going to use them to bless somebody else. So that's one of the character traits of a humble person. A humble person is someone that recognizes we need others. Again, this is talked about a little bit earlier. A humble person is able to say, I am not the answer to everyone's problems. I need help. I need you, and you need me. Think of this, Jesus, the one who was from the beginning, emptied himself and became nothing. He became a man, but he didn't become a man. He became a baby. He needed a mother. He needed someone to feed him, to change his nappy loincloth. I don't know, I don't know what it is. He need, Jesus, Jesus needed that. Jesus, as he was growing up, um, uh, you know, sorry, when he, when he was older, he, he do you know, uh, there's a story of uh, a lady, oh, what's, oh, I've forgotten the, the story now, uh, John chapter 4, come on, someone, Samaritan woman, Samaritan woman, there you go, and, and that story ends in amazing revival, okay, in Samaria, loads of people coming to, to faith, do you know how the story starts, by Jesus saying, I'm thirsty, can you give me some water? Jesus recognizes that he had needs. He didn't just say, I'm the answer to everything. He went to that lady and said, can you give me some water? I need some help. When Jesus' friend Lazarus died, he couldn't be on his own. He had to be with people, and he, he needed their support and their comfort. So even Jesus, the one who was and is and is to come, needed other people. So humble people recognize that we need one another. Humble people are able to, to make, recognize their mistakes and say sorry. I feel like this is an important one. <laughs> Jesus never had to say sorry. Jesus never had to say sorry. That was the one thing he wasn't an example of, of, of how to say sorry, because he didn't do things that were wrong. He knew how to live and he lived it perfectly. If you never say sorry, if you never have to apologize, if you can't remember the last time you apologized to someone, I'm guessing it's not because you're a perfect person like Jesus. I'm guessing it's because there's a pride in your heart that you need to deal with. Humble people are able to say, I've got it wrong again. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Okay? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I genuinely, I can't remember the last time I said sorry to someone. Uh, maybe you're here and, and you know, maybe you're in a work situation and you're, you're like, I just need to apologize. I just need to say sorry, but there's something stopping you. I'll tell you what that something is, it's pride. And you need to put that to death. And I'd really encourage you to think, who, who do I need to apologize for? 
Because if you don't, there'll be like reservoirs of guilt building up within you. But Jesus, uh, or, or it says in the New Testament, it says, if we're, if we're faithful, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin. So you might need to confess to God, I've done it wrong. Or you might need to go to a brother or sister or someone else in your work and say, oh, do you know what, I've got it wrong. But make sure you do it, because that's what humble people seek to do. Number six, humble people know who butters their bread. I think this is a saying. Is it a saying? Yeah, kind of. It's a, a saying that I'm probably going to have to explain. Basically, you know where your blessing comes from. You know where your food comes from. And it's not from you. It's a gift from God. Listen to these verses. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Who made you so superior? Paul is talking to a, a group of people that are kind of angry with each other and they've fallen out. And he says, who made you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you didn't, did not? In other words, Paul's saying, you're so up on yourself. You think you're so great. But everything you have has come from G through Jesus. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from your Father, the fa um, from the Father of heavenly lights. In other words, everything we've got that is good, whether you're a Christian or not, it's actually coming from God. It's a gift from God for you. You might be thinking, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm a self-made man. I've done this myself. Everything I've earned, I've, I've earned through the hard way of doing things. Well, do you know what? Uh, Tim Keller again talks about this, and he says probably 99% of your life had nothing to do with your decisions. The year you were born, the century you were born, the family that you were born into. Think about all of those things. Think about the DNA that makes who you are. Who made that? Was that you? Think about all, all of those different things. Your health situation, was that you? No, it wasn't. So everything, you're not a self-made person. You might have done well in life, but you're not a self-made person. God has made you, and he's made you how he wants you to be, and he wants you to worship him. But even if you are a self-made Man, okay, even if you are, I just want you to hear these verses from Jeremiah. It says this, Let not the wise boast in their wisdom, or the strong boast in their strength, or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So even if you are a self-made man, Put that away. Don't boast about that. Boast about the fact that you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. And then finally, um, a, self, uh, sorry, a humble person loves to bring glory to God. God has exalted Jesus to the highest place and given him the name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone's going to confess it. Humble people are the ones that do it first. So let's be people that are worshipping God with what we say and with our lives. Because that's what God calls us to. So that's, that's what humility looks like. What does humble pride look like? 
So there's a good kind of pride, and this kind of pride is able to celebrate the successes and God-given values of others to an appropriate level. So it's not about hyping it up. It's not about um, making this much bigger and more exciting than it actually is, but it's able to acknowledge this thing is good. That person is good. That, what, the way that's been done has been done well. So if, in your workplace, if you train someone up and they do well and, and off they go, you can take some pride in that. You don't want to overhype it, but you can take pride in that. It brings you joy and you can say, yes, that is a good thing. If you come along someone, maybe they're struggling in the Christian faith, and you, you come alongside them, and you kind of coach them through life a little bit, and you teach them a little bit about the Bible, and suddenly the penny drops, and they're like, yeah, I get it. And off they go, and they start growing in their faith. You can take some pride in that. You can say, thank you, God. Look what you're doing in there. Listen to Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 16, just after what we read, actually. It says this, Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. So Paul took pr- pride in, in, in the people he was speaking to and in the work he was doing. But it wasn't hyped up or puffed up. It was a godly kind of pride. So when you're able to recognize and honor and be thankful for the strengths and the beauty or the wisdom of other people, then you know that you are conducting yourself uh, humbly Uh, It's a humble kind of pride. And just to say, I think you can be humbly proud of yourself as well. You need to be careful. It says, uh, uh, Paul says, conduct your, whatever happens, what does he say? Um, Sorry, I've lost my lines. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but with sober judgment. Okay? So you don't want to get overhyped about how good you are, but you can recognize, actually, God has put some things in me. I've done something well. I don't want to get overhyped about it, but I can be proud about that. Okay? Paul again says this, each of you should test his own actions. Then, you can take pride in, uh, then they can take pride in themselves alone, and here's the key, without comparing themselves with other people. So you can be proud of what God's doing in you, but it's not a comparison thing. It's not saying, I'm better than this person. It's not saying, you know, there's a one-upmanship about it. It's saying, thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. So godly pride is another form of humility because without it, so it's, it's humility without being puffed up or hyped up, and it celebrates the goodness that God has done in us. Okay, so that's what pride is. That's what, sorry, that's what... Um, godly humility is and godly pride is, okay? I'm going to spend a few moments just talking about ugly pride, ugly pride, okay? See, this looks very different to what I've described. The Bible is really clear in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. God opposes the proud. That means he stands against the proud and he says no to pride. If you think in, in, of the seven deadly sins in... Um, Psalms, Proverbs, okay, seven deadly sins. The last sin is pride, and it kind of encapsulates all the other sins. Pride is the thing that kind of brings them, it's like everything is under that umbrella. In the New Testament, Paul writes to, um, like, writes to the churches, and his issue is pride within the churches. So Paul doesn't often talk about pride as a problem outside in the world, 
he talks about the problem of pride within the church. So the letter to 1 Corinthians is basically a letter about why is there so much pride among you? The letter to the Galatians is another letter all about how pride is ruining the congregation. And Paul's saying, don't let pride ruin what God is doing. In the letters to Peter and in the letters to James, both of them say these things. He says, they both say, God opposes the proud. He says no to pride, but he gives grace to the humble. It's pride that says, I don't care about God's glory or fame. I care about my own glory and fame. It's pride that says, I don't need God to tell me what is right or wrong. In fact, I will tell God what is right and wrong. It's pride that says, I don't need God's help. I don't need a savior. I can sort this out myself. All I need is me. I will save myself. That's what the proud heart does. And God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. He says, I'm not, I'm not, not dealing with you. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Psalm 138 says, though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble but he keeps his distance from the proud. See, proud people automatically assume that they are worthy and deserving of honor and glory and people's respect and adoration. But God says, I don't like that. I don't like that attitude. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Those that are lowly of heart. They're the kind of people that God is attracted to. Amen? It's, I know this is heavy stuff. I know this is heavy stuff. But I, I really felt, and even during the worship, but throughout the week, I really felt God say, we, we, we don't want to be a proud congregation. We don't want to be proud people. God won't come close to us if we're full of proud, pride. Okay? So it might not be fun to hear this stuff, but it's important stuff. Okay? Just a quick word on false humility. Okay? False humility is when we act in a humble, humble way, in order to impress others, okay? False humility is just religious pride. It's, it's, it's acting in a way so that other people will look and say, oh, they're impressive. They've got their hands in the air. I don't know if that's, that ever happens, but, you know, <laughs> they're impressive. They're talking to all the right people. They're impressive. They've read all the right books. That's false, that's false pride, and, and Jesus had a problem with that. Jesus had a problem with that. Jesus didn't like, like there was quite a few religious leaders. They had given their whole lives to following God and to committing their ways to him, to, to learning the laws of, of God and stuff like that. But they had just become proud in their heart. Jesus said, oh, no, woe to you, he said. I don't like that kind of behavior. I like people that are humble and come to me and, and just ask for, their, for help. So there you go. So let me summarize. In fact, could I ask the band to come up? That's all right. Or Rachel, I don't know who is coming up. But, but I would love, I'd love us to spend some time responding to this, if that's okay. God wants a humble church. A humble church filled with humble people. Because a humble church understands that we are living in the grace of, and the goodness of God. God wants a humble church, a humble church filled with humble people willing to serve one another, to serve alongside one another, 
and willing to use whatever power or privilege or resources that we've got to serve those that Christ loves. God wants a humble church, a church filled with humble people who are willing to bow their knee before him, the one who was and is and is to come. The one, he wants people that are willing to live their lives and give their lives to bring glory and joy to our Father in heaven. Should we stand together?